Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. I want to dive a little bit into the Bible this morning. We're reading about a guy named David. David was a king. Maybe you're familiar with the story David and Goliath. Uh, this is the guy we're talking about. He was the second and maybe the most uh, phenomenal king in the history of, the, uh, of Israel and of Judah. And we're going to read about this morning in 1 Samuel chapter 30. We're going to turn our Bibles there. And I want to talk to you today uh, about, about buoyant faith. Buoyant faith. And uh, we live in a day and age right now, again, probably unlike any other time in history, so much news is being propagated, fear, worry, confusion, hysteria, uh, a lack of toilet paper. Uh, it's just, it's everywhere. And so we want to just, what do we do in uncertain times? And I really felt like the Lord, as I was praying for everyone watching uh, that was going to watch today, God gave me this message. I really believe it's going to encourage you about being a people of buoyant faith. And First Samuel chapter 30, we're reading about King David. And uh, we're going to pick up reading this morning in verse 1. And to give a little bit of context here, what we're going to read, essentially David had 600 guys that were kind of misfits. He was actually living in a foreign country uh, with the Philistines uh, called Ziklag. And he was there, and essentially um, he, was, he, was, he was on uh, basically like, he was in isolation. He was living in a foreign land with foreign people. He actually went to go to battle against Israel with the Philistines. Crazy story in chapter 29. And while they were gone, these 600 men were gone with David. They left their families defenseless. While they were gone... On, on this trip to battle, uh, it says a foreign army came in, the Amalekites came in, and actually captured all the women, all the children. And so these guys come back from a three-day march from the camp of the Philistines, and they come home to see their houses burning with fire, their livestock and their family and loved ones gone. And that's where we're going to pick up reading in chapter 30, verse 1. And I promise it's going to be encouraging uh, here in a second. So stay with me. It says in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 30, Now it happened when David and his men, 600 of them, came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south of Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire. They took in captive all the women, those who were there, from small to great. They did not kill anyone, but they carried them away and went their way. So when David and his men came to the city, there it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters and all of their loved ones had been taken captive. Then David, can you imagine this? Then David and the people who were with him, these are strong, mighty, valiant men. These guys all begin to lift up their voice and they begin to cry. They're actually so, so sad. It said that, that, that they, they began to weep. And they wept until their voices, they lifted up their voices to weep until they could not weep any longer with no more power. And David's two wives uh, of the Jezreelites and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed. I want to I focus right there on this phrase. God put it in my spirit. David was greatly distressed. And I believe some of you have been watching the news this week. Some of you got laid off of work this week. Some of your hours got dialed way back. Some of your stock portfolios have just, you don't even want to look at them right now. You've been greatly distressed. 
And I want to bring your attention to this because it says, in this time, David was greatly distressed. And it goes on, and it says, uh, it says uh, that the people were so upset at David, the leader, that they actually talked about stoning him with rocks. And because of the soul of the people was so grieved, they wanted to take it out on their leader. Every man and his sons and his daughters. But David, verse, I love this, verse 6. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David said to the priest, he said, hey, and his son, please bring the ephod in here. And the priest brought it in, the ephod to David. So David inquired, say with me, inquired. They inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop and shall I overtake them? And he answered, he said this, God's response, God's speaking to David. He said, I want you to pursue them. And he goes on, and I want you to take over this troop, shall uh, pursue them, for you shall surely overtake them. And without fail, I love this phrase, God promises that you shall recover all. Recover all. And then I want to fast forward here just a few verses. Then David attacked them from twilight until evening the next day. Not a man among them escaped except 400 young men who rode on their camels and fled. So David recovered all, recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away. And David rescued his two wives. I was reading this this week and I really felt like God wanted to just give me this kind of word for our church. I believe it's not only for our community but for people watching all over the world. I believe as fast as this has come in, it's going to go out. And I believe this is going to be a season of recovering all. I want to pray this morning, and I'm going to talk for like 15 minutes. If you're new to our church, I'm going to tell a couple stories. If you laugh, we call them jokes. If you don't laugh, um, we usually just, we log off. And so, no, we're going we're to stay tuned in this morning. Let's pray together. God, I just thank you for, uh, for everyone that's watching today. I want to just say, God, we're grateful that whether we're at the top or we're at the bottom, that you're still an awesome God. I thank you that you're trustworthy. I thank you that you're reliable, you're dependable. And so even now, we invite you into our, our living rooms. We invite you into the space that we're in. I pray you would speak to us today, that you'd encourage us today, and that you would fill us more of your spirit today in Jesus' name. And everybody said, come on, amen, amen. Knowing God. I want to talk about buoyant, buoyant faith today, buoyant faith. I, uh, I remember uh, we lived in Idaho. If you don't know our story, we actually moved from Boise, to Southern California, but we lived in Boise, Idaho for 17 years. My wife, Rochelle, and I were the youth, young adult pastors at a church, and uh, about five years ago, we actually purchased, it was one of the two best days of our lives. They say the two best days of your life is the day you buy a boat, and the second best day of your life is the day you sell your boat. And uh, we bought a boat five years ago. It was awesome. Our, our family was so excited. My whole family went in. There was like four of us that went in, and we bought this uh, wake surf boat. And it was so fun. I never owned a boat before. Uh, never even really grew up boating a whole lot. But I knew I wanted to. And so I actually drove down with my mom to Salt Lake City. We bought this boat from a guy there in Salt Lake City. And uh, I'll never forget, we were there in his yard. And he started giving me this tutorial about uh, how to unload the boat into the water. And how to make sure, you know, the straps are undone. And he just kind of said all this. It was about a 45-second tutorial, and I started sweating profusely because I realized if I did not pay attention right now, I am the only one in my family that's getting this tutorial. And so I'm, like, trying to, like, remember everything. I'm writing notes on my phone, and he mentions this one phrase. He goes, oh, and the most important thing, you got to make sure the uh, plug is in the boat 
when you put it in the water. And I remember going, okay, it's the most important thing. Tell me why it's the most important thing. He said, the plug's not in. He says, about 20 minutes into your little uh, adventure of the lake, you're going to notice you're going to start sinking pretty quickly. And so I remember, okay, keep the plug in. You get out of the water. You take the plug out. The boat drains. And so uh, sure enough, we, uh, we had the boat for about three years. It would have been the second year of owning the boat that we were up at our campground during one summer in the mountains of Idaho. And I'll never forget uh, being in a hurry that day. I think I had my kids with me, and uh, everyone's kind of, there's kind of organized chaos going on around me. And I'll never forget loading the boat into the water, uh, getting into the lake, turning the music on, you know, taking the shirt off, getting the sunscreen out, just getting ready to have the time of my life. And just wondering, man, this boat is sitting a little bit lower than usual. And sure enough, I had forgotten to uh, put the plug in the boat, and the water began to fill up the boat and take on water. And so I had to jump literally into the lake. I had to find it blind in the water, put the plug back in the boat, get it out of the water. But it was a, it was a terrifying moment. It's uh, kind of my worst fear is, man, I'm going to ruin the family investment by drowning the thing we're supposed to have fun on. And I was thinking about, you know, boats are created to float. They're, they're, they're created to float. They're, it's amazing. I, I started looking up this week. Always the funnest things during the week when I'm studying the things that God ends up having me look up and research. But I start studying the law of buoyancy, the law of buoyancy. And it's amazing that in the, in the 200, 200 BC, there was, a, there was a, a philosopher and a scientist named Archimedes. And he creates this principle that essentially says it's the law of upthrust or the law of buoyancy. And essentially, back in the B.C. time period, which is amazing because I can't figure out this law today uh, with an iPhone and all the technology I have available today. But essentially, back then, thousands of years ago, this guy discovers that he writes down a law. And essentially, the law of this principle that he comes up with basically states that volume, density, acceleration due to gravity determines something's ability to float, has the ability to keep something surfaced. And I was thinking about, you know, in uncertain times in life, so many, so many of us, it's so easy, it's so natural to begin to sink. Uh, it's, it's wild that, you know, when you get bad news, a negative report, you get fired, you get laid off, something negative happens in your life, you get a phone call that drives you to your knees. It's amazing that emotionally, physically, even in your spiritual life, things begin to sink so rapidly. And I was praying for our church this week, and I really felt like the Lord just put this word on my heart that he wants to remind us that we are people of faith, and people of faith are buoyant. I don't know what it is, but, but David, unlike all these other 600 people, he hears the same report, he experiences the same pain, and here's what we know. When times of, of distress and times of turbulence come upon us, like they did for these 600 men that lost their wives and their children, everyone's freaking out. You have a time of loss. Say it with me, loss. I want, you to, I want you to write this down because it's so important. What they went through in 1 Samuel chapter 30 is what many of us are going through today. The first thing they experienced is they experienced loss. And from loss, the second thing that happened to them is they went from loss to grief. Because usually when you lose something, you kind of go into shock. And I was in a grocery store this week. I was in Albertsons. And this lady next to me, she's throwing cans into her cart. And she goes, are we really doing this right now? And she was in disbelief that we're actually loading up on canned goods like for, for Armageddon. And it was kind of this surreal moment because you go from loss into this grief, almost this, is this really happening? Is this, 
Is this real life? Is this, is this, this is like a bad dream that we can't wake up from. They went from loss to grief, from grief to distress. Distress. They went from grieving, mourning, weeping to this like, man, I'm just, I'm troubled. I'm anxious. I'm grief. The Bible actually says they were grieved in a way that there was bitterness that welled up inside of them. I want you to know that when you experience distress, grief, and loss, those are all normal emotions. But what the difference was between David and the other 600 men that were following him was that when all of them began to get bitter and began to blame the people that were in charge, I want to encourage you today that buoyant faith makes a conscious decision that when you go through loss, grief, and adversity, distressing times, we don't blame the person that's in charge. We actually, because here's what we know, is that they all wanted to pick up rocks. They wanted to stone David because they go, man, if David wouldn't have taken us away from our families, if we would have left, a, if he would have left people, a garrison of people to watch our families while we went to battle, if he would have been a better leader, we wouldn't be in this situation. But what they knew was, is that David actually made a conscious decision. Then he goes, you know what? I'm not going to focus on what I didn't do. I'm going to focus on the God that can change our outcomes. So David made a conscious, willful, intentional decision that he actually began to strengthen himself in the Lord. You see, in this time, some people are getting angry, but I want you to know that getting angry doesn't solve anything. What solves things is we make a conscious, willful decision that goes, you know what? I could get upset about what's happening, or I could actually press into God and begin to believe that God can change this outcome. We live in a window of time that people are sinking right now, but I want, to remind, I want to remind you that we worship a God that tells story after story about normal, average Joes that seem to have the ability to float when everybody else was sinking. I look at people like Abraham, that in his old age, in his 90s, he begins to float fertilely. He begins to have kids when no one else is having kids. I see people like Gideon with 300 people taking on incredible odds, and they seem to have this buoyancy when everybody else is sinking. Throughout the scriptures, you have Hannah. You have, you have this woman praying a prayer, God, I'm tired of being barren, and she ends up floating and getting pregnant when, when she should have sank in her despair. Throughout scripture, over and over again, Joseph in a pit, there's a buoyancy. He floats to the top of the pit. He gets in Potiphar's household. He floats to the top of Potiphar's household. He gets put into a, a, a prison underneath the palace. He somehow rises not only out of the, uh, the prison, he ends up working for the, the, the pharaoh of the known world. There is something about our God that puts a buoyancy inside of us. It's wild. I, I don't know exactly how to describe it other than, you know, if you get a balloon and you put it in the water and you push it down, it wants to rise again. If you get an iron nail and you throw it in the water, it will sink to the bottom. Why? Because buoyancy is determined by what's inside of you. I'll say it again. Buoyancy is determined by what's inside of you. David went through so much opposition. He had, he had brothers that didn't believe in him. He had a dad that forgot about him. He had family dysfunction. He kills a giant. He marries the king's daughter. He gets, he gets betrayed by the king of the, of, the, of the world at the time. He has spears thrown at him. He becomes a fugitive on the run for years, only to find himself in a foreign country leading a bunch of misfits. And here's what we know is that in a, in a time of distress and an uncertainty, David does what no one else does that's following him, that instead of getting angry and blaming leaders, he says, you know what I'm going to do right now? I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord. 
I believe strengthening yourself in God is what creates buoyancy. So many people are sinking right now because they don't know how to strengthen themselves in God. I want to encourage you that this book is a book of floating when you should sink. Moses opened up an ocean because of God. And when he should have been defeated by his enemies, God made a buoyant way out of him. I want, to, I want you to know today, that as you're watching this, I don't know where you're watching from. I just felt like God wanted me to give you three simple thoughts today in order for you to stay floating, to stay buoyant in a time when many people are sinking. How do you stay buoyant in uncertain times, distressing times, in grieving times, in times that it's so easy to get angry and to blame people? How do you stay buoyant? I'm glad you asked. The first thing that we know is we stay buoyant by strengthening ourselves in God. Say it with me, in God. I want you to know there's something in God that's not found anywhere else. I actually believe that confidence and strength is manufactured in the presence of God. It's funny, you go to the gym and uh, you spend 45 minutes. I remember my brother-in-law saying this years ago. He said, Mark, I don't know what it is. You spend 45 minutes on an elliptical, you just feel good about yourself the rest of the day. It like releases euphoric endorphins in your brain. And you just feel like, man, I feel skinnier. I feel like my jeans are, come on, I feel like I can wear some skinnier jeans. I'm going to throw some of my wife's jeans on today. I, I feel skinny. And 45 minutes of cardio does something to you. 45 minutes of swimming does something inside of you. You, you go on your mountain bike and you ride on the trails. Tomorrow I'm going to go mountain bike riding. Uh, I'm going to practice social distancing on the trails. And listen, when you ride mountain bikes for two hours, you leave and you feel something, you feel something uh, different inside. You feel healthy. You feel alive. You actually do a CrossFit class. You do a you know, strength training class for an hour. It does something physically that actually it just, you, can, you can feel it in your being that something is healthier after this than it was prior to this. And I know that you can get with this California that when you exercise, there's something that makes you feel good about who you are and where you are. And I want you to know that, man, you spend 45 minutes on the elliptical, on the treadmill, outside, on your bike, you feel good. But I want you to know that there's something about spending 45 minutes to an hour reading your Bible, turning on a worship song, beginning to declare who God is, reminding yourself of who God is, what God has done, who he's been in the past, and who he can continue to be in the future. It does something. You spend an hour with Jesus, I'm telling you, the same euphoric high you get physically is what happens to your soul spiritually. So many people, they know what it's like to get strong physically. But you know, it says this in actually 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Paul says, hey, physical training, come on, 24-hour fitness, going to your, uh, your orange theory classes, that's awesome. But he goes on, he says, but you know what's even better than physical training? He says, godliness. When you exercise towards godliness, it produces things that don't just pump your muscles up for, for two days. It actually gives you eternal dividends. Some of you have never experienced the euphoric feeling of strengthening yourself in God. If you're watching this right now, I want to encourage you this week, maybe turn the news off, turn your social platforms off, open up your Bible, turn on some music that edifies God, and begin to say, God, I want to strengthen myself in you. What happens when you get alone with God? I'm telling you, you become buoyant. You know, back in the day at our campground we had in Idaho, we had these old docks. And the old docks were so, so dated that the floating mechanisms underneath the docks were actually these styrofoam, totally not environmentally uh, friendly, but they were these big styrofoam blocks. And I remember after one storm, several of the styrofoam pieces were gone, and this dock was not floating like it once floated. 
And it's amazing because the dock had all the potential to flow. It had all the same wood sidings. It had all the same finishes. It was still constructed the exact same way. What was missing? What was missing was the very things that created buoyancy. And I want you to know that you have everything you need to stay above the waters in this time. But what you have to do is you have to strengthen yourself in God. And as you spend time with him, he reinforces the things in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, in your spirit that make you buoyant. Can I get an amen? So I believe that to be true. The second thing that we know about buoyancy, if we're going to be a people that continue to float in uncertain times, is he did a second thing. David not only strengthened himself, it said that he went beyond strengthening himself into God. He actually inquired of God. He inquired of God. Inquiry is different than worshiping God. It's actually when you go from just saying, God, I love your Bible. I love to pray. I love to worship. But inquiry is when you go a step further and you start going, God, hey, this week, I know my hours got cut back. I know that there's a bunch of stuff going on in the world. Inquiry is doing this. It's asking God what you can do, when you should do it, and how you should go about doing it. I promise you this week, you'll say, God, look, I, can't, I don't have all the normal schedule that I normally have. My schedule is unorthodox. So this week, I want to ask you, God, what would you have me do? How would you have me do it? And when would you want me to go about doing it? That sounds a little simple to, to you, and, and, I, and I totally get that. But I actually believe that in this downtime, there's going to be people that come up with innovative ideas. I believe there's inventions. I believe there's books to be written. I believe there's songs to be written. I actually believe that there's, there's problems that are going to be solved. There's businesses that are going to be started. There's, there's, I'm telling you, I was praying this week and I could feel it, that if you would inquire in this window of time, it's like God has given the whole world a Sabbath to rest. It's like he's given everyone, the whole world, time with our families, time with our kids, and time to actually shut off what we normally do and it's created an entire new window of opportunity to innovate in ways we've never innovated. God told me this week, if we would use this time, this Sabbath, to not only rest, but to actually innovate in ways by inquiring of God, I'm telling you this week, you say, God, what could I work on? Some of you have been waiting for perfect circumstances to write that book. Some of you have been waiting, man, oh, man one day I'm going to write, I'm going to paint a painting. One day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start my own, you know, food company. One day I'm going to start my own production line. One day I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into the maybe medical device industry. Listen, I'm telling you that today could be that day. And I want to encourage you as you watch this today that, listen, you strengthen yourself in God. We're in a downtime that God can actually open up a window of opportunity. Let's inquire this week. If you believe it, come on, say amen. So what did David do? What was different about David that caused him to float in uncertain times is he strengthened himself in the Lord, number one. He actually inquired of God, God, what should I do? When should I do it? And how should I do it? And number three, and I'll get ready to land the plane today, is I believe that what we do to stay buoyant, if we want to have buoyant faith, the third thing that he did is he actually stood on the promise of God's word. Sounds very simple, I know. He stood on the promise of God's word. What do you mean? He prayed and God said, I want you to go, overtake him. Watch what he says, for you're going to recover all. Recover all. First of all, this is a miracle because David actually had attacked the Amalekites prior. And when David attacked them, he killed everybody. And, this, and the only explanation scholars say is, is that God alone was the reason why these Amalekites didn't kill their wives and their children and these livestock. That God alone was the one that spared Spare what could have been the greatest loss of their lives. 
actually became one of the most redemptive chapters of their book. And I really feel like, as I was, as I was studying this week, God told me, he said, Mark, I want you to re- remind your people, remind the church, remind the body of Christ, that listen, this, listen, you mark my words, that as fast as this virus has come into our world, it will leave. And you mark my words that, listen, this is not going to be a, a huge loss. This is not going to be a season that people are going to be, man, our business is never going to be the same. Our family's never going to be the same. Our, man, our, our life is never going to be the same. You mark my words that God will make us stronger, healthier, and more vibrant after this thing passes. We're going to recover all. Say with me, recover all. I believe that this is something you need to pray with your spouse. If you're single, pray by yourself this week. Let's declare that God is a God that through this storm, we're going to recover everything that was lost. And by the way, not only are you going to recover everything, I actually think there's things that you've never had that God's going to give back into your life. You know, it says that they took up, that they caught up to these Amalekites. God providentially gave an Egyptian young boy who actually was traveling with them during the raids. And this guy gave him inside information. It was like insider trading. And he said, hey, I know exactly where these enemies are camped out. I know how they're camped out. I know where they're vulnerable. And David had an inside voice to actually attack his enemies. And I, this is what I believe. You know, the Bible goes on. It says over and over again, you know, throughout the Bible, it says in, um, it actually says this in Galatians um, to actually, uh, Ephesians 6 says that we stand, having done all that we stand. It goes on, it says in Timothy that we wage the good warfare on words that were previously spoken. And I think many times when we have a promise from God, okay, this is a difficult time, this is a trying time, this is a, this is a grieving moment of our life, here's what I want to encourage you today, is that in uncertain times, we stand on the promises of God that dictate, th- that dictate this, that look, this storm will come in and it will leave as fast as it came. That I'm going to flow in a time when I could sink. And I believe that you're going to recover everything that has been lost in your family, I even felt like I was praying this week and I was jogging and, you know, when I was jogging, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, Mark, I wish the world could know what I'm going to do on the other side of this thing. Because I believe there's so many things that God is going to do that so mercifully, uh, God's going to do so graciously. There's going to be medical breakthroughs, I believe, in this season because of all the researchers and all the money that's going towards these labs right now. You mark my words, there's not only going to be vaccinations for the COVID-19 I believe there's going to be other, other types of influenza, other types of cancers, other types of diseases that will be cured in this window. Because mark my words, we're not only going to recover what was lost, we're going to recover things that we didn't, we didn't have in the first place. They didn't just get back their wives and their family and their livestock. They got everything that the Amalekites had too. And I believe that God is going to give us not only what we've lost, but mark my words, we're going to recover even more than that. In Jesus' name. So if you're watching this today, I want to encourage you, number one, that God is a God that actually has the ability to strengthen you in himself. That he is a God that actually allows us to inquire of him, and he gives us inside information of creative ideas and of when and how to do things. And thirdly, what do we know is we know that we are, we are people that stand on words that were written long ago, and the same power that God gave them then is the same power that we can stand on today. And if you believe it, say amen. amen. So what do we know about buoyancy? As Stacy comes up, we'll, we'll get ready to wrap this up today. I was praying this week, and many of you are watching, and you're 
Maybe you're at home right now and you're like, Mark, you don't understand. There's so much uncertainty right now. So many things I have no idea. How am I going to get through this? When am I going to get through this? Is this going to last three months? Is it going to last three weeks? Here's what I'd encourage you to do. We're not going to overreact, but we're not going to underreact. And I want you to know that faith is not ignoring facts. Faith is just choosing not to ignore God either. And we're going to acknowledge that the same God that actually delivered people over and over again in in the times of old is the same God that can lead all of us out of this window of time that we're in right now. If you're here today, and and maybe, maybe you're not here physically, but as you're watching today, I was just reading through this this week, and I just want to, again, remind you of a few people. You know, it says, it says in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I love Paul. Paul was one of the most buoyant people in the Bible. How do you know he was buoyant, Mark? Because it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 that he was, uh, <laughs> he says, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. Night and day I've been in deep Journeys often in perilous waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils of of the city, in perils of the wilderness, in perils of the sea, in perils of false brethren, in weariness and in toil, in sleeplessness, often in hunger and thirst, in fasting, often in cold and nakedness, besides other things. But time and time again, Paul, regardless of what hell he went through, He always found a way to rise back to the surface. I had this picture, and again, forgive me for this, very simple. If I could boil everything I was trying to share down to this one idea, is I was praying for you this week, and I don't know who you are or what your name is, but I know this, that I I saw God this week putting a buoyancy inside of you. That it doesn't matter if you're 10 feet under the water right now or you're 100 feet under the water. If you have enough buoyancy, you you will eventually come to the surface. I remember when I was whitewater rafting, you know, the first thing that I did in Idaho, we went on this boat, and the instructor, he's like permatan, he was so, he was so dark, he actually looked like he climbed out of a bag of Cheetos, and he, uh, he, was, he sat us down before we actually started whitewater rafting, and he said this to us, he said, hey, if you fall out of the boat, let the life jacket do the work. He said, all you got to do is grab the jacket, keep your feet ele- elevated, And he said, you'll float long enough for us to pull you out of the water. And I want to encourage someone today that when God is inside of you, you're like, Mark, what do you you mean God's inside of me? Over and over again in the New Testament, it talks about Christ in you, Christ in you, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Galatians says that you've been crucified, that we've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer us who live, but it's Christ who lives in us. And I want you to know that when God is in you, Nothing in this world can keep you under the surface of the water. We serve a God that makes us buoyant. I don't know what I'm talking about. We serve a God that makes us buoyant. And today, as we, as we get ready to wrap this up, I want to just pray for you today. I was praying last night, and God showed me this, that you're going to recover all. And I really encourage you, man. This has been so cool. I spent more time in my front yard with my kids the last week than I have probably in a long time just playing basketball, teaching them how to play baseball, catching, throwing a football. And one of my favorite things that we've done in the last couple of weeks is we prayed as a family more than we've ever prayed in any window of our lives. We've always prayed for our kids every night. But I'm telling you that, that if we would look for the opportunities and the current obstacles that we're in, God would do greater things than we've ever seen before. 
if you're, if you're, if you're watching right now, I had this word for some of you that some of you are going to recover a job that's better than the job you've ever had. I saw someone this week, maybe you got laid off last week or your hours got cut back. I really want, I felt like the Lord wanted me to prophetically declare that even as you watch this, the end of this message, that this is going to be a week that you get new clients, new job, new opportunities. Listen, your stream might have dried up, but there's still other streams that are flowing. And I believe that God is going to lead you and guide you to new streams. And maybe, could it be that God would shut one door to open up a greater door for you? That's what I'm praying this week, is that God would provide in ways through jobs and through better jobs. I believe some of you, God's going to give wisdom to make investments this week. I had friends in Idaho that became millionaires during the recession because when everything was weak and soft, they invested in the right things. I believe some of you watching right now, God is going to give you wisdom as you inquire to make investments that are going to set you up so when this COVID-19 is over, you're going to be in a better place than you've ever been physically, emotionally, relationally, and even financially. Today you're watching this, and I was praying last night, and I saw it. I saw some of you, as you're home right now, you're going to start developing apps. I don't know who you are, but I promise you, if you'll spend time with God, and if you'll strengthen yourself in God, he'll begin to give you a creative mind. And you'll start developing things that you've never developed before. Never things that, things you thought you, you weren't smart enough to find, discover, or to actually calculate. God is going to give you a witty mind this week as you spend time with him. There's going to be apps developed. I, I saw specifically in the food industry, there's someone watching today. Maybe you, you've wanted to do this your whole life. You've been working in some other outlet. You hated your job. But in this moment, maybe what you normally did got shut down. I was praying this week. I think it's a woman that's watching. But I saw you last night when I was praying. I saw a woman that has always wanted to start some sort of food service. I don't know if it's like a, like a take and bake or some sort of like you order it and it's delivered to your house. I don't know exactly. But there's a dream that God has put in your heart. And I believe that this is the window to start dreaming about it, praying about it, and putting legs to these things that God's put in your heart. I not only saw the food service, I saw people, um, I think it might even be baked goods, by the way. I'm not sure what that means to you. But I wrote this down. Uh, there's people in here uh, that are watching, even right now on this channel, that you, you have medical device innovative ideas. And you might have already been working in the medical device field, and God is going to give you a new solution this week. I don't know who you are. Listen, I, I, the only thing I can say is I feel like God allows things to go down for his people to actually be so buoyant that there's something in us that rises when everything else around us is sinking. I don't know who you are, but there's something in you. There's ideas, innovative thoughts that God's going to rise up inside of you. There's people that your marriages have been on the rocks. And I saw it. I saw some of you were like threatening divorce. And you guys have been spending more time together than you've ever spent in the last few years. And God is bringing a life and a health to your marriage that's been like literally just unhealthy for years. And I'm telling you that this season is gonna bring you guys back together again if you'll both make a decision that I'm gonna humble myself and let them back in. If you'll both do that, this is a season of re reconciliation. I was praying, is this all right? I was gonna find some things that I wrote down on my notes last night. I saw cures. I saw cures this week that were coming. Maybe you're watching this and you're a doctor. I want to pray for you right now. I believe God's going to give some of you. Why not believe that the people that have the cures for cancer, that come up with the cures and the vaccinations for this disease, 
are people that are calling on God for creativity. Praying for you right now in Jesus' name. I'm praying for people that want to write books. Praying for people that maybe your faith has been dormant. Maybe you knew God when you were young. Maybe you were passionate about God when you were in college. Somewhere along the way, you've lost your faith. Listen, this is an era, this is a time period that we can reignite our faith in God. So if you're watching right now, I believe this is for you. And the last couple of things is I really felt like uh, this is a time for, for many of you that are watching, you feel like you've been existing, surviving, maybe just barely floating. And I want to just pray over you today that we're not going to just, we're not going to just survive, that we're going to flourish, that we're going to thrive, that we're going to float. And so right now I want to pray over you as you're watching today. Go ahead and close your eyes if you're in your living room. God, I ask you right now in Jesus' name, I pray for everyone that's tuning in today. Maybe it's their very first time watching. What makes Jesus different than Buddha, than Muhammad, than all these other religious figures throughout history? We thank you that what makes you different, God, is that you're still alive, that you still hear our prayers, that, God, you still answer in a mighty way, that you still move powerfully. I pray even as people have been praying that, God, this, this virus, this, this condition, I pray, Lord, even as some of the doomsday forecasters are saying how bad it could be, I pray the church would arise. I pray that prayer would go into your, go up to heaven, that it would actually touch the hearts of, uh, touch the heart of God and bring solutions on the earth that would expedite this thing leaving at a, at a rapid rate. I pray this morning that God, as, we, as we're watching this, that you would invade our hearts with faith, that you'd invade our minds with a spirit of wisdom. I pray that we'd be people that would strengthen ourselves in the Lord. I pray that we'd be people that would inquire of God, even in difficult moments. We know that our faith at the bottom has to be as strong as it is at the top. And Lord, we know that if you're worthy to be praised when we win a Super Bowl, when we're giving our Oscar speech, when we're standing in front of crowds in high moments, that you're still the God that's worthy to be worshipped in the low moments of life. So today, we declare that we're not going to sink, that we're going to float. We declare that we're going to have buoyant faith, that we're going to strengthen ourselves in the Lord, that we're going to be people that inquire of our God, and that we're going to wage the good warfare on words that are previously spoken, that we're going to stand in faith, that we're going to overtake this low moment, this distressing time, and that we're going to recover all in Jesus' name. We believe that believers float, not sink. We believe that those who put their trust in you are like Mount Zion, which cannot be shaken, which cannot be moved. You said as the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. You said the name of the Lord is a strong tower that the righteous run to and are safe. We believe that God, a thousand may fall here and a thousand may fall there, but it will not come near us. I pray for everyone watching that not one person would die, not one person would perish, but I pray in Jesus' name, that God this storm would pass and God our faith in you would be at an all time high I just pray today that your love would encapsulate every part of our mind every part of our heart that we would literally God be overwhelmed with your goodness today we thank you that if David could trust you and David could rise we believe that we could trust you and we too could rise I pray comfort over all those that are in fear all those that might be sick watching today, I'm all about vaccinations. I'm all about medicine. But I'm also all about the, the, the touch of heaven. I'm also passionate about the healing power of God. So right now, Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come 
with might, with power, your peace, and your presence. And that you touch all of our friends that are watching today in Jesus' name. Maybe you're watching right now and if we're being honest, you're not living your life with God, for God. You're like, Mark, I would love to strengthen myself in God, but I've never been in him before. He's never been in me before. I want to encourage you right now. Let's just pray this prayer together. And you can pray it by yourself. You can pray it with your wife or your husband or your kids. Let's just pray this prayer. If you want to invite God, maybe for the first time into your life, or maybe you want to invite God, maybe just you've been away from him for a while. You got too busy for him. And now in this season, it's like, man, this is the time to get back to Jesus. Let's pray this prayer together in your living room. The Bible says if you'll believe in your heart and if you'll confess with your mouth that God would make his home inside of you. Let's pray this prayer together. Say, Jesus, I invite you into my life, into my circumstances. I ask you to heal me. I ask you to forgive me. And I ask you to do something brand new inside of me. Would you lead me? Would you guide me? Forgive me and heal me from this day forward. My life is yours in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. If you prayed that prayer, I'd encourage you to get a Bible. If you don't have a Bible, you can go on, the, go on your phone, your smartphone, download the Bible app. It's completely free. If you come to our church, when this thing is over, we'll give you a free Bible. Secondly, if you don't have a church to go to, Oceans is a great church. But if you need a church to find in your area, you can contact us today on our website. We would love to help you find a church. If you live out of state, we would love to help you find a great life-giving church in your area. And thirdly, we believe that you become like who you hang out with. Maybe you physically can't hang out with people from your church right now, but I know that our community, we're going on, we're, we're doing FaceTimes, we're doing Zooms, and we're spending time together even digitally. And so I'd encourage you, get around people that love God more than you do. It's going to set you up for success in the future. God's going to lead you. God's going to guide you. And I want to remind you that the best days of your life are not behind you. They're still in front of you. God has great days ahead for all of us. I mark my words. Mark my words. These, these circumstances are going to pass. And we, there's some blue skies on the other side of these storm clouds. I love you, church. God bless you. We have good days ahead. Thanks for tuning in today. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.